The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. How is everyone doing today? Yay! Fantastic. I was up all night changing diapers, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, breastfeeding my child. That's right. This is 2022, and a man can now breastfeed his own son. That's the way it is. Trust the science, folks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we have a special guest, Wide Awake Jim, as we call him here at the Dustin Gold Standard. You know him from the Thomas Paine podcast, Hot Wires. He's in and around over there at Payne.tv slash gold, talking to people. And he was right here on episode 80 for our four-hour discussion on the climate change hustle. So Jim is joining us today to do part two of that series. We're going to expand a bit on what we discussed last time. As you know, we're moving forward and eventually getting into the Bank for International Settlements, the International Monetary Fund. We're going to get into CBDC, Universal Basic Income, how these guys, these technocrats, these worldwide prison planet wardens are going to move us into this government, international banking, carbon credit, CBDC system. So Jim has been breaking all this down for us. He's been researching this for quite a while because of the investment vehicle he's in, which is Royal and Gas, uh, Oil and Gas Royalties, which he's discussed a bit on Thomas Paine Podcast. He's going to get into more of that over there and here as well. Uh, some of you I know are interested in that, so you can reach out to Jim at Payne.tv slash gold. If you join, uh, just send me a direct message and I'll give you a link to Jim's profile on there. He just doesn't use his last name on the public side of the show because there's a lot of crazies out there, folks. People don't want to get harassed. So you can get a hold of him at Twitter over at Wide Awake or again at Payne.tv slash gold. So Jim, welcome back to the show. I know you're on the road, so if your line breaks up, we'll try to uh, fix that and edit it out. So how are you today, sir? Doing great. I'm glad uh, you're wide awake <laughs> after having a little one. So congratulations. I am wide awake. You know, it, people warn me about this, uh, you know, the whole time. Oh, my God, you're going to be up changing diapers. It's this. Your life is over. You're never going to sleep. I said, yeah, that might have been scary if I had my kid in my 20s. Uh, but I waited till I was 41. So I've been through college. I've had uh, careers throughout my uh, various uh, jobs throughout my career that required me to not sleep for three, four days. So it's actually not that bad, to be honest. You, you're prepared. It's good. I am prepared. So you're on the road, um, but you're able to see the uh, presentation that you sent over, correct? Correct. All right, I know I'm you've not been driving, hard at work with this. I'm parked. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Don't call the police on him. <laughs> All the Karens and the Kens out there, they're sitting there. Jim is giving a presentation while he's driving down the highway. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm parked. I will say, you know, there is a railroad track nearby. So if you hear trains uh, going by, 
just just wait a minute no oh, that could be the train to auschwitz jim <laughs> hey. they're gonna they're gonna stop and pick you up yep i'm not getting so, on the train so before we jump into this i mean i don't really do uh breaking news because i like these shows to remain evergreen so people can listen to them at any point and uh if you haven't listened to episode 80 folks again i just stress you need to go listen to that because jim basically takes uh a hundred hours in research and what it would take you if you wanted to get into this climate change hustle stuff and go listen to Catherine austin fitz uh, john titus and others who have been speaking about this for years and jim packs it all down into four hours so it's worth it um if you join pain.tv slash gold you get access to the ad free video version where we have all the charts and graphs up in the video and then also the young bucks over at thomas Payne podcast that manage the pain.tv platform they went and they put all the charts and graphs in for us and all the pdfs so you guys can download those if you want them i know some of you get really into these topics and you want to go do your own research so jim was kind enough to put all that together for you and the guys over there uh put it all up on the website so i just wanted to ask you though what's your feeling on uh trump announcing his candidacy because it's funny there was all these running bets in the pain uh pain world between maria albanese and mike and me and other guests uh that he's had on um i always told maria trump is getting back in the race she always told me no he's not i always said well he needs to come back and finish selling the uh, technocracy to the base to the people that identify on the right and he's probably going to come in and start selling this is my opinion he's probably going to come in and start selling cbdc and ubi so i would imagine and at some point, Trump is going to say, you know, Joe Biden is unpatriotic, horrible person, craps in his pants, terrible guy, horrible guy, and he doesn't love you, but I will give you $1,200 a month. It'll be great. Carbon credit CBDC is patriotic. Joe Biden, not patriotic, folks, not patriotic. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Believe me. Believe me. So what do you think uh, is going to happen here? Well, I have to give a caveat. I was talking to a friend of mine last night about eight o'clock and he said, uh, what do you think Trump's going to announce tonight? And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't even know he was making an announcement. <laughs> so that's how much I pay attention to these politicians because I know who actually runs the show and it's not the politicians. Um, I agree with you. I, you know, look, I don't care who sits in the white house. I want to see what legislation is being passed. Where are they moving towards CBDC and technocracy and carbon credits? You know, this whole FTX debacle that to me, if you go and listen to Jerome Powell's comments, the head of the fed, he has flat out said that in order to have the Federal Reserve run the U.S. version of CBDC, they need congressional approval, which means they need laws passed. Okay, well, what is collapsing and having fraud to do with crypto? Well, then they got, you know, the, the politicians have to come out and say, we need to regulate this. Um, so, yeah, I'm keeping my eye on that for sure. Uh, I'm leery of Trump like you. Like, you know, he was the one that sold us the, uh, the safe and effective. <laughs> shot in the arm in, in a walmart parking lot um so what's he going to sell us next 
It's a beautiful vaccine, beautiful vaccine, so great. I got 42 of them, 42, folks. I'm going for 43. Great vaccine, great people, Johnson & Johnson, wonderful people, wonderful people. They did it. They did it because I told them to. Wouldn't have happened without me. I said, get the vaccine, roll it out, Operation Warp Speed, military, fantastic people. We're going to jab it into your arm. You're going to love it, folks. It's so patriotic. I wore the mask. I hate the mask. The mask is stupid wonderful mass fantastic mass mask up it's patriotic to do it folks it's your patriotic duty you don't love america if you don't take the jab beautiful jab mrna everybody loves m's r's n's and a's fantastic letters so incredible so incredible (laughs) (laughs) that's where i'm at (laughs) sell this next I know. I'm telling you, I, I have a funny feeling, and I've been covering here on the show, you know, Peter Thiel and this uh, ideological philosopher behind this new right movement, which is really just the old left rebranded as the yeah. new right. And they want this yeah. techno fascist king, and they wanted Trump to run as the techno fascist king, basically to sell the idea that the country is collapsing. Uh, Congress doesn't work. The courts don't work. State governments don't work. Local governments don't work. Cops don't work. Concentrate all power under the central government and let it all be in charge of a monarch and then people can vote on their iphone for every decision the monarch makes i mean if i start to see elements of that coming out of trump while he's campaigning uh, it's going to be very telling um my my feeling is i know personally a lot of older folks through um my father, his friends, people he lives in a community with that went and they got the jab because Trump told them it was okay. They wouldn't have if it was Hillary or if it was Joe Biden, but because Trump told them it was okay, they went and got it. So again, this is what I fear is that if we start to see him come out and try to sell like climate change light and then start moving people into the idea of UBI and he'll tie it back to remember the stimulus checks I gave you the stimulus check. I saved all of you with the uh, personal uh, business loans and the and the stimulus checks. I will do it now. We'll guarantee it. Guarantee it, folks. And so he can talk about Social Security and how they're going to save that. And if we start to see him push UBI, uh, Universal Basic Income, and CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, then you'll know exactly uh, what his purpose is and who he works for. Yep. And I was... Um watching and listening well not watching but reading and listening um the comments coming out of cop 27 last week and mm-hmm. even uh mike mike moore over at pain.tv he he one of his day one of the days i can't remember what day he, he had a bunch of john Kerry quotes and articles and stuff and very interestingly all of the talking points bullet points on these on these conversations they're having over there and these spe- speeches and presentations they're doing Every one of the major talking points I read in a January 2020 Bank of International Settlements document. Wow, that's pretty. I mean, and, and Jim, that's just like how we hear uh, at the beginning of COVID Land, the high school theater production. We'd hear all the bumper sticker slogans like Great Reset and Build Back Better, uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution, all these things that were developed three, four, five years earlier coming out of the World Economic Forum, coming out of the United Nations, you know, and then Joe Biden runs on Build Back Better, which was really just this whole UN marketing campaign that was put together years yep. earlier. And so now you're seeing it come to fruition when john Kerry was in the 
Biden transition team and he was like the climate czar, he had went over to the World Economic Forum in a panel discussion and they said, is Biden going to be on board with the Great Reset? And he said, not only is he going to be on board with it, he is going to accelerate it. (laughs) So it was like, (laughs) there you go. I mean, the way I really look at it, um, and we're going to get into your stuff in a second, but the way I see it, and I've explained it to the audience, is that Trump, the last year of Trump was really, that was the great reset, kicking off COVID land, the high school theater production. Now we are in the fourth industrial revolution, which is moving us from the third industrial era to the fourth industrial era. And so they're rolling out all the new technologies. They're putting the infrastructure in place. The good part about this and eventually we're going to get into this with shows with you uh, because you've been going deep into all the UN documents and all these different organizations and NGOs and think tanks that are working on this stuff. They don't have, it's not like all the infrastructure is in place worldwide with quantum computer servers and all the satellite connections as of today where they just push a button and the next thing you know, the government says, download your government's crypto wallet or you will be broke tomorrow like that system is not fully in place yet they're doing like little beta tests and stuff like that in different countries but the whole idea is that this will be an international we call it you know a carbon credit cbdc system similar to what the technocracy was talking about back in 1933 with the energy certificates so it has to be international but we even hear uh and i think through some people that research this stuff all the time that there's like a power struggle going on between who's going to run it who's going to be in charge will it be china will it be russia will it be the united states is it going to be the united nations somebody wants to be the one who says yeah well we're going to set the value of this currency uh who's going to actually be in charge of it so that's the upside to this that there are power struggles within the uh overall collective of madmen but and i hear that from people too like it's russia and china versus the u.s and the u.s is trying to reserve you know keep the reserve currency there is not going to be a reserve currency that's going to be cbdc whether Russia has the biggest seat at the table, China or the U.S., doesn't matter. It's still CBDC run by the BIS, period. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I agree with you 100%. It's just like we're saying, is like you said, who has the bigger seat at the table? And, and for people to understand, just on a, on a micro level, it's similar to the Republicans and Democrats in this country. At the end of the day, we know they're all in the same team. The country continuously right. moves in the same direction. It's just whoever has power, whoever is the WWE champion for that moment, they get additional commissions and royalty checks, right? So if you sit there and you're in charge of the senate as the republican you get a little bit extra cash to pad your own wallet so whoever has the biggest seat makes a little bit more money has a little bit more control a little bit more power that's really all that's about right but for for us it's the same slavery system (laughs) yeah oh yeah that's already decided (laughs) right all right, so I'm going to pull up your um, outline here so we can start and just kind of explain what we're going to go over um, yeah. in the show today. So originally, just for the folks that, that listened to episode 80, originally we were going to do next, we were going to go over what the IMF does, what the BIS does, what the World Bank does, and how they work together. But I came across some documents last week that were so eye-opening, I felt like we needed to pivot. And so what we're going to go over, we're going to do a quick review from episode 80 for those that didn't listen or haven't listened to fully. Um, And then we're going to go into 
these documents that I found last week, and it's it's what they're what's actually happening, what they're really doing. So um, just for a quick review, this might be a graph, and I think we didn't go over, but it's from Exxon again. Um, it's showing you that uh, yeah, here it is. This is again from their December 2021 uh, annual outlook on energy globally. So this chart is, it's kind of confusing at first, but I just, I'll break it down for you. Um, so you've got three sections in the bar graph. One's transportation, one's in residential commercial, and one's industrial. And then in each section, you have three separate bars in the graph. The first one's for 2021. The second one's for 2030. That's an important date that we all know of. And the third one's for 2050, another important date. And then they break it down by type of energy. So oil, nat gas, coal, nuclear, biomass, hydro, wind, solar. So in the transportation category, the three bars, of course, oil being green, green if, you're, if you're viewing this, um, is the largest share of transportation fuel energy. And so you've got 2021 um, on the graph, it's at about 100. In 2030, it goes up. It looks like maybe to like 115 to 120. And then 2050, it's back down to 100. But I thought we were all supposed to be on electric vehicles by 2050. Right, so exactly. Time, so for, so for the audience, yeah. Yeah, so for right, the audio, so, only audience, it's, it's pretty amazing because, so he's talking, again, just to clarify, he's got, he's looking at transportation. And so you have the three bars, 2021, 2030, 2050. And when you go between 2021 and 2050, the um, uh, use of oil does not not change. It's the same amount. And so then at the top of these bars, uh, when you go up to about 100, and then at the top of these bars, you have sometimes less than 10. uh, So one-tenth, really, of like the whole bar will be a mixture of like biofuels and some other stuff. It's almost nothing. It's like minuscule. It's minuscule. Yep. And then you go over to industrial and you've got a, I don't know, it's about a third, a third and a third mixture between oil, nat gas and coal for 2021, which is the first bar in that category. The second bar at 2030 is a little higher for oil, natural gas and coal. And 2050 is even higher. But I thought we were supposed to be all wind and solar by then. Yeah, it's even higher, and it still remains roughly a third, a third, and a third all the way across the three years. Right. So, in other words, they're all they're all talk. You know, this they're clearly not expecting much to change. And then let let me just ask you, Jim. So, on residential commercial, um, you have oil basically at the same level, like at maybe ten or 15, yeah. all the way yep. across all three years, 21, 30, and 50. Um, so what? Uh, just for the audience, the red part of the bar is what? Natural gas? Net gas. Okay. Net gas. It's okay, about so you have the net same. gas, coal, um, and then purple is uh, what? Um, the electricity. Electricity, right. Okay, so home heating Which oil is very... Which going to be wind and solar. So home heating, heating oil currently is really only uh, like 10% of um, total fuel consumption for residential commercial anyway. Right. 
Okay. Right. And then it remains this it remain it's a flat line basically all the way through going up to twenty fifty. So we're not reducing yeah. the amount of uh, oil used. <laughs> no. No. In any no, category, it, all three categories, it's the same. Fossil fuel use is the same or a little higher in twenty fifty. Yeah, and to be honest, the only thing they really show growing uh when you get to twenty fifty is the uh electricity usage. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, and then on so on the right they kind of segregated that out electricity generation and they show oil was little to begin with it drops a little bit nat gas is growing coal is shrinking um which you would expect you know nat gas is a cleaner burning fuel than coal um and they've got of course wind and solar growing but the growth of wind and solar assuming that that comes to fruition in 2050 still is not bigger the natural gas individually and it might be just a smidge bigger than coal but yet you listen to the politicians and everybody and john Kerry and all these uh, un people and wef people they're all saying by 2050 we're going to be 100 percent wind and solar for electricity yeah which we already proved in episode 80 using their own graphs and charts and pdfs and white papers and research documents is not possible i mean uh, jim proved that in episode 80 yeah not even close to possible right and and this isn't stuff just in case you guys haven't listened to episode 80 this is not research that jim pulled from say like info wars like this is alex jones is impossible there's no way they're going to be able to do it no way these pop belly goblins aren't going to be able to pull it off no it didn't come from there it didn't come from some alternative group of engineers it came directly from their own documents it's just hidden in thousands upon thousands of pages like they bury it deep inside these documents and then you find it uh literally that uh finland report you had it was like yeah this is impossible (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you go to their website and it's all about energy transition okay sure all right now let me just ask you this on this chart so you said this comes from exxon on this particular is this uh for united states or is this worldwide worldwide this is worldwide. Okay. It says so, it right in the title. Global energy supply is very oh, by Yeah. Oh, I, I should have looked up at it. So it's global energy supply. So this is worldwide. And then, as you said, I just want to clarify with the audience, because I had asked Jim on a call, prep call yesterday. I said, did this come from a document that goes out to uh, in potential investors, people like that? He said, no, this is just um, like an annual report they put out each year on energy consumption. But it's not like Exxon uh, and or big oil is in competition with the green energy sector, the climate scam, they're on board. Like they have seats at World Economic Forum and uh, other organizations like that, right? So they're all in on this this hustle Well, remember, um, I think it's called Fire Engine One. There was a big like brouhaha when uh, the Exxon's board had a shakeup a few years ago. BlackRock was able to force a few board members out and these other people that don't have energy, any energy experience, I think their company is called Fire Engine One. They're all about ESG and climate change and energy transition. They're now on Exxon's board. Yeah, and, and, and let me just bring this up, too, because Jim and I have talked about this. We might have mentioned it in Episode 80. We're obviously going to get into this in future um 
parts of this series. But one of the things we talked about is at the end of this, like when the scam is up, it's not like these guys are going to come out and say, um, uh, like, okay, we admit defeat, we didn't have enough uh, material, we didn't have enough acreage to put all these solar panels out, or these windmills, we didn't have enough materials to build them, we didn't have enough lithium to create all these batteries. What we think is going to end up happening is they're going to come out at a certain point, and they're going to say, you failed, you, you didn't use enough wind energy, you didn't use enough hydro, you didn't buy an electric car, and they're going to blame it on you, but that's going to be the excuse for them to usher in some sort of UBI, CBDC, you know, carbon, carbon credit, credit system yep. to say that yep. this is the only way to save the planet. Meanwhile, people like Exxon and Big Oil and everybody aren't going to complain because at the end of the day, they're still going to be making their money. That's how they stay on board with the scam. Precisely. And then Precisely. along the way, all the people that come out of the, you know, fake green energy market you know the climate hustle that we talked about all these people talking about from the top to the bottom you know to the little guy to your neighbor that might install solar panels as a contractor for tesla they're all on board with it because in their mind it puts food on their table they might not even understand it's a scam they just know they make a hundred thousand dollars a year installing tesla solar panels and so they go along with it but they believe in it because they're vested in it now it's part of the culture just like i've been saying technocracy really isn't this political system that they had to bring in and and um, you know shoot a politician in Times Square and then put the flag down and declare the technocracy won? They've embedded it through social engineering. They made it part of the culture, and that's why the climate hustle is part of it. That's how COVID land became part of the culture. And these guys move forward, whether people like us, uh, me and you, or the audience figure it out. They go, we don't care. We just keep running it on TV and we pretend it's real. And what are people going to do about it? That's what social engineering is. And they claim technocracy is social engineering. Yep. The science of social engineering and uh, right. the science of total control. And that, and that's, and basically they prove it time and time again. But the point of this stuff guys is not, as I always say, it's not to black pill you. So you're depressed and you want to go put a gun in your mouth under your bed. It's so you can see the scam. You understand what's coming. You understand how this started, where we are in the present and where we're going in the future. And then you can make arrangements in your personal life or make investments, you know, get involved with something like, you know, Jim has done, you figure out the scam and you go, okay, this is a safe investment. It's a lot safer than gambling on uh, Wall Street, uh, because we have all the facts and the statistics, and then you can start to figure out that the climate change stuff is a total scam. In the next episode I record, you won't be here. I'll, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I learned from that engineer on the uh, EV car batteries that I told you about on that phone call last night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guys, this was like inside knowledge from an engineer who has a uh, company. They build uh, testing equipment under government contracts and for the so-called private sector, but they're all private Organic sector companies. Yeah, and, and this guy found out something at a trade show, and he has no idea what I do. He doesn't know about the show. He was just talking to me. It was related to a website uh, contract I might have, and he was telling me all about it. So last night I was talking to Jim, and I said, you got to hear this one. This is amazing. So it opens. I think this stuff opens your eyes. It'll let you make better choices, and if I were you, I would stay the hell away from the EV cars, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
for more reasons than one. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's going to, this is going to be interesting. The, the stuff we're going to go through today is going to, people are going to see that not only is oil and get that gas not going anywhere, but the amount of money they're, they're pouring into it is massive. It's massive. So oh, let's yeah, go to the next yeah. Charter, when you, yeah, when you see this stuff, you're going to be blown away. Jim showed it to me last night, and I was like, are you serious? Because once you see these mega companies, these multi-billion dollar international conglomerates spending uh, trillions of dollars to build yep. these uh, import-export um, uh, gas, oil and gas um terminals like you guys it's it these guys don't invest that amount of money unless they have 10 20 30 40 year guarantees that they're going to make a return on these investments so i mean wait until you see what jim found because this stuff is it's mind-blowing it is and once you know the grift you know when you read this stuff you literally spit your coffee out because you just start laughing <laughs> so anyway so this is a graph we went over in episode 80 it's the number of average power plants um, to deliver a thousand terawatts per year of electricity. And it's got it broken out by types of power plants. So it starts at nuclear on the bottom at 78 power plants to deliver a thousand terawatts per year of energy, electricity. And solar PV arrays is like 30,266. Well, I, so I dug up, I, I stumbled across, uh, just took me five minutes on a Google search. I, I found that. In 2019, the world electricity use was 22,848 terawatts. And this chart's saying we need 30,266 solar PV arrays just to deliver 1,000 terawatts. So if you multiply 30,266 by 22.848, essentially, folks, we need 700,000 solar arrays to meet the entire world electricity demand in 2019, assuming it's all solar. Yeah, that's crazy. And I remember the night the night that uh, we did ep recorded episode 80, we were playing around starting to look this stuff up. Because I was like, yeah. well, what, what is a solar array? And it's, it's kind of difficult to figure it out because it's an assembly of uh, like a series of panels. And you can never right. really... I couldn't find, but I didn't dig deep into their documents. Like, there's, yeah, there's no standard metric. I mean, it's bigger than what you can put on a roof of a standard house, but it, there's no standard metric, so um, it's hard to know like what the footprint, land footprint, is going to be for each. Yeah, one. But, but it's a but lot. The point it, is, you got thirty thousand to, to deliver a thousand terawatts per year. We need seven hundred thousand to meet the global uh, electricity demand, which not going to happen. Yeah, and you and you said that um, I think in episode eighty. Did you say they're made in part with coal? They are. That was in that documentary, Planet of the Humans. Instead of taking sand and making you know like glass out of it, uh, that's too impure. They actually take giant lumps of coal. And they heat that up. I think with the sand. I'm not sure, but they they use coal to make the solar panels. Just oh, like you use natural gas to make fertilizer. That could explain in part why they're shutting down uh, coal mines around the European Union right now, because they're going to steal all that coal to make their well, crappy uh, solar panels. Except bills. for Germany. Breaking news, you know, I think two weeks ago, Germany is actually now tearing down a wind farm to expand a coal, coal mine. That's crazy, because in uh, Poland, <laughs> they, they were shutting down 
They're in the process of shutting down. I believe it was the largest uh, electricity-producing coal mine in the European Union and the second-largest coal reserve in Poland. Uh, I went and saw it. I haven't put it out yet. I shot some video there. Um, my father-in-law used to work at the coal mine, so... Mm-hmm. But now they're talking about, I mean, when you're standing there, it looks like a crater. It's huge. Uh, and right. he was telling me, well, the plan, at least, you know, he, he kind of watches the Fox News equivalent of uh, news over there. So whatever the mainstream yeah. narrative is, is that they're going to take it and they're going to uh, turn it into the largest man-made lake, I think, in all of Europe. And then build it into basically like a Disney World resort type of thing and they promise the thousands upon thousands of people that work there that they will be retrained I'm not kidding you to work at the amusement park so they won't lose their job <laughs> so I wonder so, uh, how much coal ash is going to be floating around in that in the water that lake <laughs> yes I asked him that he said that they actually it's going to take several years they have to basically create all this concrete to fill it in and like, uh, like basically uh, securing the walls and everything. I'm like, geez, how much concrete is this going to take? I mean, this thing is miles wide. It's, it's. You really, know how they make concrete? Uh, what do they crush up for that? Coal. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess they're going to have to keep digging that. Me, meanwhile, well, they're shutting a- this and, uh, down. It might be asphalt. It might, I might have it mixed up in my head. It might be asphalt with coal. Well, well me, me, meanwhile, they're uh, driving up the coal prices while this is going on. And many people over there uh, have coal-fired furnaces in their house. That's what uh, my in-laws have to heat their house. And so the coal has gone like through the roof over there, just like uh, home heating oil here. And there's literally people lining up for like a week. I mean, I, I, I saw the news reports here, and a lot of times I'll try to find a local source to tell me if it's true, not that it's just like U.S. propaganda. And uh, my father-in-law said, no, it's true. There's people lining up like three, four days. Uh, ahead to get this stuff and then people are burning garbage luckily over there uh, a lot of people have big like eight ten acre plots with a lot of uh, forest so they can yeah. basically uh, cut down trees in the yard as they thin the, the the dead trees and they have a lot of firewood yeah. to use but that's what he's in the process of converting his um coal stove over to a coal, coal and wood stove right now so he can burn oh, both. nice I, I, I just looked it up yeah coal is used to make concrete <laughs> well that's amazing so they're gonna have to dig another coal uh, i mean they claim that they're gonna open up another coal mine but see again it's not just here when you start talking to people in other countries you can see all of this stuff going on so anyway I had went and uh, looked it up while I was there after my wife translated for me and I learned about it and I looked it up and uh, the closing of that coal plant, which he did not know about because he was just told it ran out of coal so they're going to turn it into the amusement park, actually ties into uh, the agendas 2030 and 2050. So it was like a promise that Poland made as a sustainable nation. So now, uh, you know, you can see these rules and regulations taking shape all across the West. I wonder if Poland got some debt relief in order, you know, for uh, for closing that coal mine, because we're going to get into this in later episodes. But the IMF and the World Bank are um, providing as the solution 
oh, Poland, you can't make your debt payments in your U.S. Do dollar-denominated debt. Well, you uh, you make these concessions, and we'll give you a haircut on the debt. Oh, okay. Typical bribery. So it's like similar yeah. to here uh, over the years when they got a lot of the states hooked on the federal highway dollars. And then they used that years ago where they would say, yeah. okay, well, we're not going to then say they gave your state $1 billion or $2 billion a year from the federal government for highway funds. Then all of a sudden when they wanted to push Common Core into the schools, because I, I had done a story on this like 15 years ago, and then they said, well, if you don't put Common Core in, you're going to have the highway dollars pulled from you. So see, that's how they start then socially engineering uh, yep. states. And so then when there were people running for office or there were right-leaning, more conservative governors that wanted to run on, screw the federal government, we don't need the highway dollars, they would invest a lot of money running TV ad campaigns into your state saying, you know, Governor Jim hates his state. He won't take this $2 billion that could help the people of Michigan. You know, and like so they would actually start running that against you in order to force you to keep taking the highway dollars so then they can manipulate you and force you to put in Common Core and other things that you really didn't want. And then people want to know why almost every state in this country runs as if they're just operated directly out of the federal government. Well, that's how they get it done. Bribery. Yep. Bribery. Yep. All right. What do we got next on the... Uh... On the list All right, here. we've got this one, which is the electric uh, electricity consumption. Yeah, that's just um, showing the um, that came from the IEA, the International uh, Energy Agency. That's just showing the 2019 world total electricity final consumption of 22,848 terawatts of electricity. Okay, so that's the number that. Okay, that's yep. where you pulled the information from for this last yep. graph here. Okay, correct. So he doesn't just make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. He actually has the source documents. Yeah, everything we're talking about is 95% source documents and 5% you and I uh, speculating as to what they're going to do next and where they're going with it. <laughs> yeah, and, I, well, and the thing is that the more that you're researching for um, your business and your personal investments and the more you research just out of curiosity because you like talking about this stuff, um, the more you're finding and eventually you, you guys, you'll get to the point on a lot of this stuff where you don't even have to guess, where you get to the point where 100% of this is fact, yep. because the more documents you look through and you can start connecting them into other documents, the more pieces you put together when you're doing an investigation like this, you will find yep. the truth. I, I have yet to find them really hide much from us. Uh, I mean, they pretty much put everything out in the open if, you, if you're looking for it. Exactly. And so, yeah, so the graphic we have now is rather interesting this came from a UN document. It's the Emissions Gap Report 2022. Ironically, remember I called you when I found this document. I was reading, reading just the you know, like executive summary. Uh, ironically, the title of this document is called The Closing Window. <laughs> remember Klaus Schwab said COVID was like a great opportunity <laughs> for the Great Reset? Well, now they're saying that the, the window's closing. And this entire document, it's like 100 pages long. This entire document is literally saying, hurry up, people. We're running out of time. They're going to catch on to our scheme. That's the theme of the document. 
Yeah, and, uh, and I showed on this show, too, Peter Thiel even. So you take Klaus Schwab on the perceived one side and Peter Thiel on a perceived other side. And when COVID kicked off, Peter Thiel came out and he said, hey, there's going to be some great business opportunities here, and we could finally move the old financial system out and the new financial system in. And then he got a bunch of government contracts to do COVID uh, tracking <laughs> while it was going on and he was raking in the big bucks and you were supposed to believe he was an ally of freedom and liberty um, but this right. document yeah it's great and at first when i saw the closing window i said okay that must be like their new bumper sticker slogan like save energy close your windows but no folks that's not what it means <laughs> <laughs> no they're they're not happy with uh with the i guess the policy makers around the world and us plebs uh not not following the climate change hustle uh so they're they're pointing the finger saying hurry up uh so the chart we're looking at here is household consumption based emissions uh by by groups and those groups are basically income groups right so you're looking at household uh, greenhouse gas emissions in 2019 and it's based on you know i whatever t stands for co2 per capita and so we'll just do the us they've got russia and china and the world and europe and brazil and indonesia and india here too so, so the largest you know play, countries in the world or regions but the us and it's got this gray bar okay and it goes all the way over to 250 t co2 carbon dioxide per capita and it's got a little gray triangle out there that gray triangle is the top one percent income earners household incomes in the u.s their carbon footprint is 250. you don't need to know the actual uh you know what 250 what it's just 250 okay the next 10 you know two through 10 percent income per capita households in the united states are are at 50. so obviously there's a big gap between 250 and 50. So the top 1%, the Elon Musk of the world, flying around on their private jets, are by their carbon footprint is five times that of somebody in the 2 to 10% uh, household income earner, earners, okay? Then you get down to the next, they call it middle 40%. So that's 50% up to that 10%, which would maybe be, you know, middle class or upper middle class. And you got another another spot on the gray bar that's maybe at 20. It's less than half of 50, but not much less. And then when you look at the bottom 50% of wage earners in the U.S., they're literally at like 10. So, but yet who's getting the blame for the, their quote-unquote, you know, climate change uh, alarmist is the bottom 50% or at least the bottom 90%. Even though our carbon footprint is like a penny compared to their $100 bill. Yeah, you have the uh, middle class. Um, yeah, basically sitting like you, it's about at 20. So 20 and, and beneath 20 is the middle class and lower uh, income. But yeah, yeah it, guys, the, I mean, it, it, guys, you, you, you have, yeah, you have the next nine. So this is top 10%. You have sitting at 50 going all the way out to 250. So they're, and so they're taking up 200 on this chart of 250 is the top 10%. 
And yeah, yeah, it's always the middle class and the uh, you know poverty stricken folks blame for everything. When in fact the top ten are the guys taking everything, and really the top one, like you said, the Elon Musk of the world, are using up the majority. And this chart, uh, although for other countries, let's say Russia, it only goes up to about 190. If you take China, it goes up to 150. But this chart is basically the same. When you go through USA, Russia, China, world, Europe, Brazil, Indonesia, India. The rich are the ones with the big carbon footprint. Again, we've already proven that carbon dioxide is not causing climate change through the the documentary. And those, you know, former IPCC scientists and, and data from NASA and NOAA, right? We proved that in episode 80, right? But assuming it's real, right, if you think CO2 is a problem, well, the elites are the ones putting 10 to 20 times amount of CO2 into the atmosphere than everybody else. Yes, and just a reminder, in case you guys are lost, this came out of the Emissions Gap Report 2022, the closing window. This came out of the UN. The UN, directly from the United Nations. Right. So this is not, again, a chart that came from Alex Jones or, you know, I don't know, Tucker Carlson scribbled it out on a napkin. No. Uh, or they I don't brought to on. People. Right. Or they brought on some engineer from a university, from Liberty University, who says that, like, that's not true. No, these are their own documents. Like, they're admitting to this. Yep. And uh, you can pretty much say right now in the world, in the country we live in, in the world we live in, any of these people that sit in the top 1%, uh, and this is just the way it is, folks, this idea of becoming a billionaire by creating an invention in your garage all on your own, it's just that's a lie. Like all this top 1%, these are government contractors, government-connected folks, uh, people that flow in and out of the government. They sit on the boards of different banks, then they move back over into the government, then they're the attorney general, then they move out to another. All these guys, Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Bill Gates, Eric Schmidt, Jeff Bezos, all government contractors, all of them. So all the people uh, that are using up and have the, uh, the this energy and have the largest carbon footprint are, in fact, the very oligarchs, uh, <laughs> the guys who actually are the puppets of the government. These are the guys, and yeah. they're using it all and up, and they're, they're trying the to blame it on telling us. us tell, right, they're telling everybody else, you got to stop using carbon. Yeah, and so you guys understand this. When the final... It's not a final solution because there's never a final solution. But when you reach the end goal of this phase uh, and they turn around and say, we're going to have to go on carbon credit back CBDC. And some of us are going to have to be taken out of the workforce because we emit too much carbon. So they're going to give us UBI. None of these guys are going to be operating on that system. Uh, only we are. These guys will not be operating on energy certificates. That's not the way. Well, it's just like when the EU implemented these new rules for for climate change. You know, it was like okay, it included uh, like like private or, or jet traffic, like airline traffic, but it excluded private jets. And then they yeah. came back and excluded yachts. <laughs> so those don't emit any carbon, and they're okay. But you use if you fly on a seven forty seven, that's bad. That, that that kills the climate. But our private jets don't. Yeah, that was like years ago, Jim, when the Kennedy family were pushing uh, for windmills in the very beginning of the windmill craze. And yeah. then one of the groups building the windmills wanted to put them up uh, right outside of Martha's Vineyard. 
And the Kennedys were like, <laughs> nope. oh, hell no. Hell no, you're not doing that. <laughs> nope. It'll ruin the view. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next graph. Wow, that one is, folks, like that one is damning. And again, um, hopefully by the end of today, now that the Young Bucks have a system to do it, this episode 88 will be up on pain.tv slash gold. And we'll, again, have all the graphs and charts in the video. And then also we'll upload everything so you can take a look at the charts and download them if you want them. Because that one is, that one is damning. I, I mean, all of them are, but that one is great because you're able to show your climate change buddies that believe in this stuff. Uh, you say, hey, well, well, can't we solve the problem by just... I don't know, arresting all the elites and locking them in Guantanamo? Like, wouldn't we reduce our carbon footprint by 90%? <laughs> I mean, we if would. those guys were out of we the would. picture, wouldn't the problem be solved? Yeah. Well, this chart that we have now, if I don't know how many of the listeners saw Al Gore and his inconvenient you know, truth and all this crap that he was pushing 20 years ago. And he had a chart that was it was it was dubbed the hockey stick chart, right? Where he showed temperatures skyrocketing just fairly recently, which is not true. It was all taken out of context. But anyways, we have an in context. It's not out of context. It's in context, a rival hockey stick chart. This chart is from the Energy Information Agency, federal government agency in the U.S., EIA. OK, Um and it is United States LNG, which is liquefied natural gas imports and exports from 1985 to 2021. There's a blue line and there's an orange line. The blue line is imports. They bumped up, you know, in the late 90s and they peaked around 2007. And then they have gone steadily down almost to zero since. Now, they didn't get very high. It only got to, you know, 800 billion cubic feet a day. Um, and then the imports, I mean, the exports, the orange line, the exports with the shale boom, uh, in the mid 2000, so 2010 to 2015, the shale boom happened. We started drilling it. Uh, we figured out how to drill horizontally and we got a lot more oil and natural gas. Uh, well, this, the natural gas exports, uh, started skyrocketing in 2015 and it folks, it is straight up to 2021 it literally is steeper than any of the first hill roller coasters you've ever witnessed it is straight up and it's all the way up at 3,600 billion cubic feet of gas let me just show people this it kind of looks like my nose so sort of looks like my (laughs) my nose there see that look at that it is straight up yep (laughs) but uh yeah wild I mean, it's it goes in 2015. It goes from uh, basically zero, uh, like one, zero. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the way up to 3,600 billion cubic feet, uh, going all the way hitting hitting 3,600 uh, billion cubic feet by 2020. So in a five year period, I mean, it literally is going off the chart. Yep, and we've got more data we're going to cover in a few minutes that uh, it's going to show that that sh- that line is going to continue to to go straight up right and so the audience understands again that's uh liquefied natural gas imports that we're bringing into the u.s versus exports so the natural gas that we're drilling for and then exporting to other countries right 
Right? The exports are off the chart. Imports have basically gone to zero because we don't need imports. The only real imports that I know of is uh, up in the Northeast because they won't allow pipelines. And they've got that regional, uh, you know, the RGCCI or whatever, that little climate uh, carbon credit scheme they got going on up there in the Northeast. They actually import some some liquefied natural gas from Europe. <laughs> in, in, in I think it's outside of Boston. But they the won't pipe it from Pennsylvania. I was going to say the funniest part, Jim, is if it's natural gas that we send out from like a terminal in Texas, it gets to Europe <laughs> and then they put Maybe. it back on the ship and send it back over here. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> if they put RFD uh, ID chips on, on the natural gas, we can figure it out. <laughs> oh, don't worry. They'll do that. But no, it's similar <laughs> to like when we started bribing all the farmers uh, with subsidies to turn their corn supply into ethanol instead of for feed corn, you know, or for food. And then we end up importing all this corn from Mexico. You're like, well, wait, we just get or we export a bunch of corn down to Mexico and then import other corn from Mexico. You're like, what? This doesn't even make sense, this stuff that they do. Right. Right. It's crazy. All right. So now this one is the uh, monthly dry shale gas production chart. Yeah. So this chart, is, it just goes from 2007 to 2022, and it's just a steady increase. It looks like, you know, any mountain, if you will. And it's got all of the different oil and gas, major oil and gas plays in the country uh, that produce that gas. And, and you can see that when we started drilling for shale, uh, you know, horizontally in about 2010-ish, when it really ramped up, it started to steadily increase. So we went from about 5 billion cubic feet a day to about 80 billion cubic feet a day, 80, 81. And actually, we've, we hit recently, we hit 100 uh, billion cubic feet a day of, of net gas production in the country. But this just has it broken out into different plays, you know, Marcellus, Permian, Utica, Haynesville, Eagleford. I, the chart shows you all the different states they come from, Pennsylvania, Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, et cetera. The next chart, though, this one's really, really interesting. So remember, folks, they're telling us that we have to go to zero carbon emissions, which means zero oil and zero natural gas by 2050. That's what we keep hearing from the UN. Well, this is a chart, again, from the uh, U.S. Energy Information Administration in their annual energy outlook, 2022, came out in March, and it shows the dry natural gas production by type, which means, you know, lower 48, other 48 onshore and then offshore and onshore and then tight shale gas. So in 2021, we're producing about 35 trillion cubic feet a year. They're projecting and all this out all the way to 2050. Now, if you listen to the salespeople, you would expect this production to go in what direction? Down. Correct. Dustin, what direction is it going? Uh, it's going up. Uh, steadily increasing <laughs> year up. after year. Yeah, it's a steady rise. It's it's not it's not a spike rise, but it's a steady rise. And of course, you know they're going to try to dampen this because of the the source of the information. And it's still rising even in 2050, which means natural gas is going nowhere. 
Right. And that, let's just stress that. That is the whole point of, you know, this part of the discussion is that it just blows another hole in the climate change a hustle in the marketing, in the narrative, okay? Because the numbers and the, the stats and everything we're looking at here behind the scenes, the stuff that they don't put on television, all right, the stuff that you don't hear about from Al Gore or from these guys that go out there and push the hustle, this always shows an increase in these fossil fuels where the climate hustle is about how uh, windmills and solar panels and EV cars are going to overtake fossil fuels. But everything they're showing on their internal projections, that that is just not the case. It's just not going to happen. They're not even projecting this. Like if all of a sudden you saw these charts and they showed this kind of a rise in windmills and solar panels and oil and natural gas going down, okay, then we'd have to sit here and make an argument that they're lying and say, well, they're lying, those charts aren't real, it can't be done, and then you have to prove they don't have enough acreage to install this, they don't have enough money, enough manpower, enough resources to build these things, but that's not the case. So the only thing now that you're proving they're lying about is the marketing, the branding, the narrative. That is the lie. That's the climate hustle. And we don't even have to prove it. It's their own documents prove it. We don't have to speculate at all. No, we're just proving that their documents behind the scenes prove that the narrative that they've spun is a complete and total lie. Exactly. I mean, it, it's crazy. It's, it's you, I mean, I don't know, like people used to shout about this all the time. If this was in the case of a business, you'd be saying, wait a second, that's false advertising. You know, if Mike Lindell came out, he goes, I'm Mike Lindell. This is my pillow. It's so beautiful and so fluffy. And then you got it and it was full of bricks. But somehow he wanted to keep telling you it was fluffy and full of down feathers. And you'd be saying, no, it's not. It's full of bricks. I have it right here. And he goes, no, those are down feathers. And he keeps trying to sell you on the idea that you're holding a bag of down feathers when you clearly see it's a bag of bricks. And that's what they do. They don't care. If you figure out that it's a bag of bricks, they keep telling you that it's a bag of feathers. I mean, that's what they right, keep doing. You know, just like uh, the media has never wavered off of their stance that the inflation, global inflation that we're, the world's experiencing right now is because of the Russian invasion. Oil prices are higher because of Russia going into Ukraine, which is complete bullshit. Go pull the chart. Oil prices rose in 2021. When did Russia, the Russia-Ukraine conflict start? February, March of 22. Yeah, well, that, that whole thing supplies uh, cover for a number of... Uh, a number sure of does. things that these guys are trying to get done. I mean, sure it's like it COVID does, land, the, the high school theater production. Saying, right. They just keep repeating the lie over and over and over. It's going to be the same with climate change. They're just going to yeah, repeat it, the lie a million times a day. It, it reminds me, Jim, uh, before we get into the PDFs, like this is just a simple way to put it for the audience. Years ago, when uh, the, the first time we heard of the Black Lives Matter movement, it was in Ferguson. Uh, after I think it was Michael Brown was was uh, shot when he reached into the window yeah. of that cop's car. Well, I remember th that was back when the media used to still. It was the last of that era where they'd actually like set up shop and have their uh, media vans there with their satellite vans and they'd have live reporters. 
And I remember Don Lemon from MSNBC was, st- I was watching it live and he was standing there and he's like, oh, this is Don Lemon. We're here at a peaceful uh, protest and literally behind him, like people were burning buildings down and he just keeps talking and he goes over my shoulder it's a very peaceful very peaceful protest and then someone hit him in the head with like a glass beer bottle and he goes oh he ducked and he ran off they went through a commercial break and then they had another reporter on the next night he was literally inside of like a shark diver's cage that they put like in uh like a shark dog and he was inside that reporting so he couldn't get hit with stuff and he still stood there telling you that he was at a peaceful protest when to anyone with a brain you could sit there and go well what, what is he talking about and it would remind me of um like a like a parody movie or some kind of like a major league you know that baseball or something yeah. where you'd have a reporter or like a, a broadcaster going ladies and gentlemen behind me is one of the greatest football games ever and you're watching a baseball game and, and they don't yeah. care they just keep doing it and that's what's happened <laughs> yeah. it was the same thing like we said 10 years ago whenever it was when al gore was called out on the hockey stick graph because he was out there going, global warming, global warming, global warming. He disappeared for about a week and a half, came back, and he goes, well, this is climate change. Obviously, the weather goes up and down. The weather patterns go high and they go low. This is climate change. This is what we're doing to the planet. And and they just keep the scam going. They don't care if you figured it out. Just like with COVID Land, the high school theater production, 50% of the people figure it out. They go, I'm not wearing masks. I'm not doing this. I'm not getting the jab. And they just keep it running they keep putting out i mean you can go on your twitter feed your facebook feed and just look at the propaganda stuff that's already proven to be false they'll just keep pumping it out there and telling you it's real yep all right so now we've got what do we have next all right now we've got uh this (laughs) coca-cola admits it produces three million tons of plastic packaging a year yeah, this is an article uh, fairly recent. Coca-Cola did it, does admit they're producing 3 million tons of plastic packaging a year. And I think it's like, uh, I don't know, 120 billion single-use water bottles a year. And <laughs> interestingly, in this in this article, let me scroll down a little more, please. Let's see. Uh, yeah, that's actually uh, equivalent to 200,000 bottles a minute. <laughs> right. Uh, here comes a train. <laughs> oh, so, that's all right. Trains are coming. It's rolling around yeah. the bend. I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially what the, what the uh, I guess, company spokesperson said here is that um, they have no plans to reduce this amount of plastic because that's what the customers want. Yeah, this is this is craziness because we talked about this in episode 80, right? And I had said to you if um so let, let's say we admit that there is pollution that's bad for the planet and then the CO2 is not it. But if these companies like Coca-Cola and these bigwigs that are all on board, folks, they're all, all these companies, go look it up. They sit on every NGO, every think tank. They sit on the World Economic Forum. They're part of the UN. Like these are the guys that run all this stuff. But if they really wanted to stop pollution, 
they could stop making petroleum-based plastics and all this other stuff. They're not doing it. So it's like they're it's not a doing joke. it. Yeah, read the sentence start with the paragraph, but the majority of the 150 companies who have signed up to MacArthur's global commitment to reduce plastic pollution are still refusing to publicly disclose figures on their own plastic packaging production. And these companies include PepsiCo, H&M, L'Oreal, Walmart, and Marks and Spencer. So basically what they're saying is, yeah, we're going to keep producing all the plastic that we've been producing. Um, (laughs) Oh, this is funny, though. I got to read this. This says 150 companies have signed up to the foundation's global commitment to reduce plastic waste, which aims to, one, eliminate unnecessary plastic packaging and move from single-use to reusable packaging. Two, innovate to ensure 100% of plastic packaging can be easily and safely reused, recycled, or composted by 2025. This is, it's just nonsense. Three, create a circular economy in plastic by significantly increasing the volumes of plastic reused or recycled into new packaging. Now, I'm not saying this is 100% true. But I know certain people I've talked to over the years that work in big waste management facilities that have told me that the recycling bin that you have, that your town or your county makes you get, they dump that stuff in the same dump as the dump. They said that barely any of it is actually recycled. I don't know if that's true, but these are people who work there. On on Netflix, I think, um, four or five years ago, went through that uh, in detail. Yeah, it's like 10% of the stuff that is so-called recyclable gets put right in the same landfill yeah that's what these guys no 90 percent. they only recycle 10 percent. 90 percent goes right in the landfill exactly so i mean again this is just all uh nonsense and like you said if if this was really the issue if uh petroleum-based plastics and stuff were really the issue or these guys were really serious about what they believe the science tells them about pollution and climate change they would have changed all this they'd be making more glass bottles or somebody would have innovated and came up with a new solution i mean it's that simple um exactly That's not what they're doing. I mean, they would have, look, if these guys really cared about the planet, they would have switched over and just been selling those um, soda making machines that you you buy, you know, to make your own soda at home. Yeah, they'd be selling those. They would be selling you the powder and the packets and the flavors, and they would cut out all the plastic bottles. It would just come out and they'd tell people, like, I know you like it, but we can't do it. We're killing the planet. Bad idea. We screwed up. We're not doing it anymore. But they're not saying that. Yep. They're not saying that. All right, so now we have another it. one here. This is uh, Coca-Cola will not stop using single-use plastic bottles. Bingo. What, what's the date of this? June of 2020? Correct. January 2020. Yep. January 2020. Okay, yeah, so, so scroll on down. And here comes a fire truck, folks. Hang on. <laughs> oh, there's a fire truck coming. You know what they're there for? Climate change. Yeah, maybe the train, so I don't know, the train's going, now the fire truck's going by. Yeah, it's climate, ch- it's climate change. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, so, so basically says, this is the article saying that, you know, we, we produce a lot of single-use plastic bottles and we're not stopping. 
Right, and here, I just covered this in a recent episode, so let me stick this in here. It says, instead of eliminating plastic, executives from the beverage company announced at the forum that they are launching a partnership with JD.com, an online retailer in China, quote, to explore new ways of plastic recycling to help drive the circular economy in China, end quote. Now, I will just say, we, we talked about the circular economy on uh, a few episodes yeah. ago, but... The funny thing with that is when I was a kid working in the grocery store when I was like 14, 15, 16, um, you know, all the old guys, all the old retired uh, guys like my great-grandfather, they would uh, go around town picking up aluminum cans and stuff, and they would bring them in while yeah. they're smoking their cigarettes. And you would uh, they had bottle deposits, so when you bought a six-pack of Coca-Cola or something, you had to pay 30 cents, five cents on each can or bottle. And that would encourage you to bring them back to the grocery store and recycle them to get your bottle deposit back. So the old guys would collect them from garbage cans and stuff and try to make a few bucks. So we already had this circular economy back in 1980. Apparently it failed. (laughs) Nobody does that anymore, do they? Instead of creating a brand new circular economy out of scratch, why don't you just change the packaging? Yeah, exactly. Why don't they change what they're making this stuff out of? But this is, we could probably spend a whole episode, and I'm not going to do it, but I could probably go look into this uh, test model here. Um, yeah. on this circular economy in China, this this won't be what you think it is. It's probably tied to some kind of like energy certificate carbon credit system. For like sure, every sure. soda you drink, you'll be penalized, but then you get a free candy bar and a donut. If I mean, there's going to be some kind of gamification involved with it. Because again, we know it's not about saving the planet. This is just about socially engineering people into more slave state control. Right. All right, what do we have next? All right, next you've got uh, North America leads $370 billion global push for oil and gas pipelines from oilprice.com. Yeah, so this is interesting. Um, You know, again, if we're supposed to be switching to wind and solar and EV cars, why is the world spending $370 billion with a B to to you know basically implement new oil and gas pipelines and the u.s is leading the charge yeah and i just want to bring up a point here and then you can clarify it um what see what this like if some people were listening to this and don't really understand it you'd be saying okay what does that mean so you have the whole un all this international governing body that wants to go and turn the world into a green planet right with windmills and solar and ev cars and so you say then well so what the oil guys are spending 370 billion dollars in this global push for oil and gas pipelines so their competitors they're going to just do it and so they're actually competing with one another but they're not right jim no they're not and in fact so my the point here is we're going to go through some documents here in a minute and if you keep a running total in your head of the amount of money that's going into oil and and gas infrastructure it's trillions it's not small numbers it's trillions probably much larger than the wind and solar money around the world but again these big companies are not here to waste money they're not going to implement things that take 10, 15, 20, 30 years to get their money back if they feel like they're going to be non-existent 
in seven years or 27 years to 2030 and 2050. They're not going to spend this kind of money if they thought it was going to go up in smoke. Yeah, and some of this money being used to build these pipelines are coming from government uh, dollars anyway, correct? Um, some of it, but most of it's most of it's you know public and private companies. Public and private companies, yeah. But then, but then you have, uh, like you just said, these guys aren't going to go spend this amount of money if they don't know there's a guarantee on a return. Like they're not going to start exactly. building a pipeline for a hundred billion dollars if they think the next administration is going to shut it down and say no, you can't do that. Exactly. I was just reading a report this morning from EOG Resources. It's a it's a it's a medium sized oil and gas exploration company. Um, they're not Exxon by far, but they're they're a big player. They're a big company. They're going to spend five billion dollars with a B drilling new oil and gas wells in 2023. They're one of hundreds of companies. If you if you did you know took all the publicly traded companies and you went and pulled all their investor presentations and you added up how much money they're going to spend drilling new wells in 2023, it's in the hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah, and, and that's if these, annually. That's annually. Right. And if these types of businesses like Exxon, with the amount of money that they have on hand, sat at a table and they were told uh, by the international governing body of uh, witches and warlocks, and they said, listen, we're shutting you down. Within five years, we're going to 90% solar and, uh, and windmills, and we can do this. Uh, you're not going to be able to drill anymore. Oil and gas are done. You know what these guys would do? They would take their money they'd and gear up and they'd be like, yeah, they'd be in wind and solar. Exactly. Exactly. They, they would monopolize that industry overnight. So that's how right. you know that it's, it's such BS. And like we said, a lot of these uh, companies have seats at the table uh, with WEF and the UN and everything else. They're sitting on these governing bodies. Right. And this $370 billion for oil and gas pipelines is through 2028. Right. Yeah. It's a world. So it might be it might be five hundred billion by the time we get to twenty thirty. Who knows? That's craziness. All right. Anything in here you want to cover in detail? Uh, do you want to go through the nah, highlights? We, we don't need to go through all the details. I mean, for the for the folks that want to, I've got some highlighted pieces in here, but it's the same message that we just talked about. Okay. And then uh, the next one we have the uh, pipeline bubble tracking global oil and gas pipelines. Yeah, so related to that article, this is the uh, from GEM, the Global Energy uh, Market Marketer, or can't remember the the acronym. Go to the next page; it'll tell you. Oh, Global Energy Monitor. Monitor. That's it. So this group is uh, connected to the UN and, and and the IPCC, and they've got several documents we're going to go through. And basically, all throughout these documents, they're pointing the finger at policy makers, i.e. salespeople, politicians, saying, hey, you said you were going to reduce emissions by this much. You said you weren't going to go, um, you were going to increase wind and solar, and you said you were going to reduce oil and gas, and you're not doing it. <laughs> You'll see that theme throughout these documents. But it's, these are important because it shows you the amount of money that is being spent in oil and gas all right so on this one um do you have stuff highlighted in here oh yeah we do yep, here we i go. do 
All right, so we're on the Pipeline Bubble 2021, tracking global oil and gas pipelines, and then this is the executive summary. Can you read that? Yeah, I can read it. So essentially, the first bullet point, they're saying stranded asset risk of a trillion dollars. So $1 trillion in capital expenditures is on a collision course with commitments by most large economies to transition to carbon neutrality by mid-century. And so they're saying that, hey, all this money you're spending on oil and gas, yeah, it's going to just become non-existent and wasted money by 2050. Sure, I believe you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Gas, what's it say? Gas what? It says gas dominates the mix. Dominates the mix. Yeah, so 18 of the 20 uh, longest pipelines are nat gas even though they're claiming that's a bridge fuel. And the U.S. uh, leads global capacity growth and climate risk because we're building oil and gas infrastructure, so we're we're at climate risk. Um, Somebody sent me a recent article that came out of COP27. I can't remember who said it. It might have been John Kerry, that the U.S. This was sent to me on Monday. The U.S. has 68% more um, climate change, CO2 emissions than the rest of the world. Well, <laughs> You start laughing because that same number doesn't exist in Canada nor Mexico. So it's kind of like, you know, when you walk into a restaurant and you have to wear a mask because the virus can attack you. But when you sit down, you can take the mask off because the virus cannot attack you. It's kind of like saying, well, the U.S. has uh, has, is, has more CO2 climate change, uh, you know, like like uh, storms and stuff. But the rest of the world does not. Yeah, exactly. It's only, target, it's only targeting the U.S. When we were at the hospital, they had put us in a uh, COVID lockdown room. Uh, because yeah. we refused to take the COVID tests. And so the doctor's like, well, then we're going to have to wear personal protective equipment. I said, okay, do whatever you have to do. So they came in the room. They wore, they're like, well, we have to double mask. They had two paper masks. They were like the thin ones that are like <laughs> toilet paper with the mouth, like your mouth is hanging out the side. And then they had a plant, like a piece of plastic, like a garbage, actually, no, like those cheap plastic picnic um like throwaway picnic uh, table plastic it was yeah. like a lobster bib that they wore so i started laughing when they came in i said are you kidding me i said you guys are willing to play covid land the high school theater production still and he goes oh you know like sir i, I said that's like me wrapping my wrists in tin foil and then saying i could jump into a fire and it will protect me <laughs> like I was like, the hell are you guys even doing? (laughs) Yeah, it's too funny. Crazy. So there's a bunch of bullet points in here. Um, So let's see here. What's this? A few restrictions on midstream financing. So they're saying that, you know, midstream, what that means is that that's pipelines. It's transporting, you know, oil and gas from the well site where it comes out of the ground to the infrastructure where it needs to go. That's what midstream is. Uh, and they're saying that that is not being, um, you know, restricted for climate change. Okay, so they're saying they want it restricted more. They want it restricted, correct. 
The biggest producing oil field, okay, in the world shows financial support by more than 100 institutions, while 50 major financial institutions have now implemented policies restricting support for tar sands or Arctic extraction. Only four so far have restricted pipelines. Okay, so they're talking about having restrictions on the Saudi Arabian uh, field pipelines, right? Well, and, and the Permian Basin's in West Texas. So they're saying that, hey, U.S. banks, you're still giving money to oil and gas companies that are drilling over in uh, in West Texas, and they're building pipelines coming out of West Texas. Why are you doing that? Stop doing it. That's what they're saying. Okay, so they want the banks to tight to basically regulate these guys by not loaning them money. Correct. All right. So now, does that? I mean, we're eventually going to get into that, but does that that climbs all the way back to um, like who who's setting ESG. all the rules? ESG. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I personally thought it was BlackRock and Larry Fink since he sits on the board at the UN. But I read in a Bank of International Settlements document that they are pushing the ESG and they're going to get asset managers like BlackRock to push it to cut their portfolio companies themselves. But it came straight from the Bank of International Settlements. Okay, so they're using BIS, then they're using their uh, bulldogs like uh, Larry Fink Larry and, Fink uh, and BlackRock, BlackRock. Yep. to then go in, build their portfolio of companies. Like you said in a past show, you could take BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, whatever, who then might control a total of 30% of a company, and now they right. can then bully that company into <laughs> adopting yeah. ESG. And if they don't adopt ESG, then they can use banks um, uh, and other uh, places with lending vehicles to stop them from loaning money to these companies for projects. So that's how they basically bully the companies into submission. Right. Brilliant, man. This is way bigger than Tony Soprano. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I don't even think Tony could have thought of a scheme like this. Oh. Yeah. I don't think he could have this. So now they have these things called civil society organizations. I thought that was interesting. I'd never heard that term before. It's similar to an NGO, um, but it's it's called a civil society organization. They're calling for the managed decline of fossil fuel production. Okay? And it says many of the world's largest economies, including China, the European Union, Japan, and I can't read that. Uh, China, right. Japan, European Union, Japan, Korea have now committed to achieving net zero emissions with the projected lifespan of pipeline infrastructure currently being proposed, raising the possibility that such projects, if built, will be uh, prematurely retired. Now, here's the. let me ask you this, because this is important too. So what they're talking about is the civil society organizations calling for a managed decline of fossil fuel production. So you can only... I mean, the only other alternative is that they actually are going to stop it and then everyone will freeze to death and die because they don't have the alternative energy sources to make up for ending the uh, fossil fuel production. Like, that's the only other alternative. If they were actually going to shut it all down, then a lot of people will die. They will starve to death and freeze to death. If they they turned off all oil and natural gas production uh, overnight, we would be in the Stone Ages. 
Yeah. Literally. But again, yeah. they're saying like, hey, you know, don't spend all this money. Don't spend this trillions of dollars on this infrastructure because it's going to get retired and it's going to become obsolete. Right. Now, this now this group that published this, um, what what where are they as far as um, like being in the uh, line of like control or are they reporting these dot to these kind of studies go over to? The UN, who who actually yeah. reads this stuff? Yeah, they they report this stuff directly to the UN and the IPCC. Okay, so they report it over there. So what they come to the conclusion is is basically telling them, you know, basically they're saying why the hell is Exxon and all these companies investing in expansion of these pipelines when we have called for ending all use of fossil fuels? That's basically what they're asking. Yeah. They're the tattletale. Right, they're the ones telling on on all these co- countries and companies. They, hey, hey, UN, they're not doing what they said they were going to do. They pledged and promised, and they're not doing it. Hence, the UN document, the closing window. <laughs> hey, pay attention. <laughs> you said you were going to do this. You better hurry up. Now, let me ask you this, because I mean, like this is your opinion now. But um, so, do you think? Companies like Exxon, let's just use them because we showed some of their information. Are they are they continuing down the path they are because there's profits and because that's you know going to make up the bulk of energy consumption in the future? Are they really defying the UN or is like a company like this, they're just part of the scam and they get to write these reports and whine and complain when the people at the top really know we're not actually going to move into full solar and windmills. That's correct. Exxon knows that oil and natural gas are going nowhere. They know that wind and solar is not the rescue answer. And they also know that climate change, the uh, propaganda is just that propaganda. They know all this. And they're obviously going to continue to make money. This group is just, it's almost like, you know, you've got, now you've got two WWE wrestlers, as you like to say, in the, in the ring, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is distraction. This is noise. And, but they're also kind of reporting back to the UN, which circles back to what you said in the beginning. What At the end of the day, when this doesn't work, this is building their case to blame it on us. Okay, exactly. And Exxon and these companies will gladly take the slings and arrows in the WWE wrestling match, too. Exactly. So when it's exactly. all done, they will play the boogeyman in this as well. So when, when it all goes down, when they come out with a new hockey stick graph and they go, oh, my God, the planet is burning up. The only way to stop this now is carbon credit CBDC because the stupid people wouldn't buy EV cars and because Exxon kept building pipelines. You guys have ruined it for all of us. Now, this is the only solution and yeah. it'll be fine because nobody gets hurt in it exxon doesn't get hurt and they go okay sure whatever well fast forward to 2070 assuming they get their way we have ubi cbdc you know chips in our in our hand and we're under we, we no longer have a monetary based economic system we have a carbon credit economic system well guess what plastic is still going to be made cement is still going to be made you're still going to heat your your pod with natural gas <laughs> you're, you're, it's not going anywhere right 
Right. And, and I tell you, what they'll do is once they switch it over. So if the whole point of the climate change hustle was to build the narrative for the control system, the monetary control system, which becomes CBDC and UBI, if that's all they needed climate change for, of course, enriching themselves along the way, about three weeks into CBDC being launched, and now we're on it, there's like no going back, you will never hear the word climate change ever mentioned again. <laughs> no. And we're going to get into this in a later show, but there's another side hustle going on. And it's, again, again using climate change. We're going to get into that. Um, it has to do with blue bonds and green bonds and, and the, de- the debt trap. We're going to get into that in detail. Uh, probably two Jeez. episodes, one or two episodes. Maybe the next one, if not the one after that. This is unbelievable. All right, scroll down here. I want to get to some of these numbers. All right, do you, uh, do you need this uh, stuff that's nah. up on the screen now or no? No, 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 I don't need the highlighted stuff here. Okay. Okay, that's All just right. saying, you know, it's mo- most of the infrastructure is natural gas, not oil on the pipelines. Okay, scroll down. Okay. Okay. Now we... Yeah, scroll down to the bottom. So at the top there, right, worldwide, the capital expenditures are what? Associated with projects in pre-construction or construction amounts to U.S. $1.07 trillion as shown in Table 2. With a T, folks, trillion dollars. Trillion dollars. Unbelievable. Trillions of dollars. Yeah. All right, right, next page. Pipeline uh, expansion plans by country. Um, it's China and U.S. I thought the U.S. was not going away, but no, apparently not. Table four is uh, what's the expansion plans by country, country by, by capacity. capacity? Yes, right. Who's number one? U.S. Yeah, mm-hmm. John Kerry. Don't don't show him this graph. Yeah. All right. Uh, this so, is not important. Keep going down. Impact of COVID-19, right. man. Come on. That's important. Yeah. So this is important. Net zero emission pledges by countries, cities, local governments, and businesses roughly doubled between September 2019 and September 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's this is under the impact. impact of COVID-19 is actually the title of this section here. Right. But it's called it's pledges. It's not it's not reality. So read the stuff in red over here on this next page. So this is under pipelines and climate change. Uh, it says uh, the Paris Agreement will require significant reduction in fossil fuel production within the coming decade with oil and gas production declining by four percent and three percent, respectively, between 2020 and 2030. How is 4% and 3% significant? I know. That's actually pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, it would be something Anyways, if they said 40% and 30%. Right. And there's another new term down here. You've got burning the gap, bridge fuel myth, and all this stuff. So now they're saying there's a carbon budget. I've never heard, seen or heard carbon budget anywhere yet in all the documents I've read. But this, they're using these carbon budgets. 
Yeah, that's, uh, let's see, oil fields that are already operating or under construction is almost as large as the carbon budget associated with a 66% chance of limiting global warming to 2 degrees Celsius and twice the carbon budget associated with a 50% chance of staying within the 1.5 Celsius of warming. Yeah, carbon budget. Did you ever figure out what it is or no? No, it gets to some arbitrary uh, amount of carbon that they're tracking to meet their climate change Celsius degrees target. Okay. And then uh, do we need, should we go over this or no? Uh, in no, I don't to- think we need to read all this because otherwise it'll be a four-hour show again. I know. I know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to be charged like so many carbon credits for uh, running the electricity <laughs> for this long. Yeah, just so the folks know, I mean, these documents, if you want to read the whole thing, great, you know, the, you can download them, but I've highlighted the, you know, the important stuff here. You keep scrolling. Yeah, there's a lot, and there's a lot of stuff. Divestment and institutional restrictions. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want this or no? Uh, it's, it's blurry on the screen. The so bottom the, it, is what... Uh, this goes... It's got commitments from like 2,300 institutions and... 58,000 institutional invest, individual investors. Uh, so basically, they've got commitments, excuse me, from all these different investment groups to not invest in fossil fuel companies anymore. They're claiming $14.5 trillion in assets. Yeah, fossil free divestment it 2021. Big, but it's, it's like one and a half Black Rocks. Yeah, at least 131 banks and insurers have announced divestment from coal mining or coal-fired uh, power plants, according to IEEFA. Yeah, notice they only mention coal, not oil or natural gas. <laughs> yeah. All right, this is under Biden and pipelines. Uh, there's terminals. The Biden administration can reduce the danger from one of the world's biggest carbon bombs the Permian Basin by withholding or rescinding federal approvals for nine new oil export terminals and 16 new LNG export terminals that are being developed in Texas and Louisiana, of which you're about to get into, right? Yes, we are. So this is kind of what set off the alarm bells in my head. Like, wait a minute, we're building a lot of export LNG terminals. And that was for folks, uh, just to remind you, that was our hockey stick chart. LNG exports, liquefied natural gas exports is going straight up. We only have eight major export terminals now, and that's showing 16 more, which is a triple. (laughs) So, oh, yeah, and then you're going to show the math because either they are going to have to be drilling for more or we will not have enough natural gas to supply our current demand. Not even close. It'll drop by over a third and, and prices will go through the roof one or the other you got to drill for a lot more or prices are going a lot higher oh don't worry then we'll just start importing the rest (laughs) (laughs) turn the ship around it got halfway across the atlantic (laughs) all right uh anything else here we've got north america um this is about before covid19 uh lng export terminals no we're going to get into that detail in the other chart okay this this is important here so this is uh the carbon bomb, what they're called, this is a new phrase. It's an alarmist phrase. I, I've never heard of it. What is a carbon bomb? Well, they're <laughs> calling the Permian Basin, which is now the largest oil reservoir in the world, bigger than Gawar in Saudi Arabia. Okay. 
And there's a lot of natural gas coming out of the Permian Basin also. And that's where a lot of the U.S. pipelines are, are being built to take that natural gas out of West Texas. And folks, if you've ever been to West Texas, there ain't much there. So they got to build these pipelines to get them, get it out, to get to the uh, liquefied natural gas terminals along the Texas and Louisiana coast. So they're calling the Permian Basin because it's it's big. They're calling it a carbon bomb. That's all propaganda. That's all that is. It's propaganda. If we explore that, the whole world's going to explode. Oh, that's interesting though, because there's the carbon budget again. It says carbon yeah. bomb that would consume. 10% of the world's allowable carbon budget if we are to have a 50-50 chance of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Yeah, and let's uh, remind folks that didn't didn't listen to episode 80, uh, the, the former IPCC scientists that, and NASA scientists that were interviewed in that documentary um, tell us, prove to us with the data that Temperature changes are not caused by rises in carbon dioxide. It's the other way around. Temperature changes are, um, or increases are caused by um, increases in solar activity. And once the temperature rises, then carbon dioxide rises afterwards. Right. This is funny stuff. All right, um, keep going. Yep, keep going. All right, let's take now, a look. There's not much more here. I mean, it's the same. You can tell. You can tell it's the same thing here. So this is good. This, so this level of proposed build out of gas infrastructure assets is out of sync with official Brussels pro projections in the last couple of years on how the EU uh, gas usage has to be removed by at least thirty percent by 2030 and fifty percent by 2050 if Europe is to meet its climate change targets no, so this know, is where they're I, saying I know, hey I know, I know it's blurry over there but it's actually 30 percent and 90 percent not 50 90 so, sorry yeah. okay sorry yeah <laughs> yeah so so what here's what they're saying this is they're saying hey you said you were gonna go get on board with this and you're not doing it yeah they're so the tattletales they, this is really all it is they gotta reduce it by 90 percent uh, i mean give me a break all right, let's see what else is in uh, this one. Yeah, and Jim That's has pretty all, much all this I mean, stuff highlighted. Now, yeah. When, you, uh, when mean, you have it highlighted in red, does that mean, like, this is really important? It is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So re read the red. Under well, this China. is uh, under China. It says, in light of the expected 50-year lifespan of oil and gas pipelines, this major expansion is at odds with China's recent pledge to ameliorate climate change by becoming carbon neutral by 2060. <laughs> so basically what they're doing, this is like the group within this group of nerds that's like, wait a second. Why aren't these people living up to their pledge? Exactly. The guy down it's the street pledged that he was going to donate $15,000 to put in new flowers over here at the corner of uh, Maine and Broad. And he's not living up to his pledge. <laughs> oh That's God. all this is. <laughs> That's all this is, man. But, I mean, and the important thing in here for me was the number. A trillion dollars in pipelines. Yeah. A trillion. All right. Next document. All right. You want? You need it's this one or no? It, it, nah, it's all the same. It's all the same stuff. Okay. It's the same message. 
So let's look at this. This is uh, another one from them, Global Global Energy Monitor, same group, GEM. Crude awakening oil pipelines in development across the globe. And this is from September 2022. Yeah, these are recent documents, by the way, so everybody knows. They're just a couple of months old. So, Um, again, uh, these are oil pipelines now, not gas. Just getting into the details of oil. Uh, You can go ahead and scroll through the next page. So a build, what's that say in red? A build out. A build out that disregards climate goals and the long-term economic viability of fossil fuels. (laughs) Yeah. So folks, we got a chart here and this chart, (laughs) it's, it's crazy. So when you look at the uh, under construction and the proposed amount of, uh, I can't read it oil pipelines built since 2020 and in development it's it's double it's double the largest year of pipeline uh you know operating pipelines that came online in what 20 what's that second bar yeah so this goes oh 2008 to 2022 all right so all the dark maroon here is operating uh right is operating pipelines Right. Okay, and then this uh, pink here, this flesh tone, is construction scheduled for 2022. And then right. you have, in the future, construction and uh, proposed. Proposed. Which is and it, the future the is double the highest of any year. Which was uh, 2009-ish, 10, or 2010. Yeah, that's what it looked like, yep. Yeah. So the future Again, they're, they're not doing they're not doing what they said they were going to do. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you I think you were on to something too. I don't know if we mentioned it in episode 80 or we talked about it privately that part of what it looks like they're going to do is they're trying to harness whoever's at the top. They're going to try to take control of these resources and then move them into different columns. They're not going to be there's not going to be less of it used. It may be used for other purposes, like you and I as individuals, uh, just like under the original technocracy uh, blueprints going back to 1919. Um, you and I will not be allowed to access means of production, you know, or of these goods or services, you'll only be able to access them through the government, through the technocracy. And so a lot of this stuff is going to continue to be used. It may be used to power the prison planet matrix technology that keeps us enslaved, like powering the quantum computers needed for uh, CBDC or needed to run the prison planet technology. It just might not be used by you and I. We might not be able to pump gas into our car, but gas is still going to be used to power their prison planet and they're going to be allowed to use right. it in their private jets right so if you're so invested again, in it you're safe actually right so figure two is the top 20 countries ranked by uh kilometers of in development oil pipelines u.s is number one indian china are number two and three it's top 20 countries ranked by kilometers of in development oil pipelines oh okay so it's in development pipelines so U.S. Yep. has the most going. Yeah, so they're not doing what John Kerry says we're going to do. No. Now, John Kerry knows this, correct? He's probably invested in Exxon. Yeah, he does know this. Yeah. They have to know this. All right, so next document. All right, next one. All right. Yep. 
This is gas bubble. Gas bubble. And this is, again, Global Energy Monitor. This is uh, yep. 2022 U.S. edition. Uh, yep. Let's see. Hold so on, just read the stuff this. in red. Okay, so we have... Under the introduction. Uh, under the introduction, a new report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, you guys know about that, states that pathways to international climate goals do not have room for a gas expansion. <laughs> Global so Energy the, Monitor, that's this group, has yeah. identified over 300 projects in pre-construction and construction phases. Um, with an estimated cost of $797 billion with a B. So what they're saying is that this new report coming out of IPCC states that the pathways to the international climate goals, right, the, 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 like all the goals that everybody's agreed on, can't right. work uh, if there's gas expansion. And then at the same time, they're saying they've identified over 300 projects for gas expansion. 800 billion dollars. Yeah, right. for gas expansion. So now we have we had what a trillion dollars in pipelines worldwide. Now we have eight hundred billion dollars in LNG facilities. Now we're getting close to two trillion dollars, folks. And let, let me just say, this is how you know it's a scam, right? Because all of the people that sit in, they like are the puppets, you know, in the WWE wrestling match. All the, the like the wrestlers, the politicians, the people that sit on the committees and the boards and the panels and the guys who run all the congressional mm -hmm. hearings that allow mm -hmm. this all to happen. Okay, those guys are there. They all agree that we're fighting climate change, right? Everyone agrees we're fighting cl climate change. All the rules come out of the UN, out of the Paris Accord, all that kind of stuff. If they were really on board, especially after everything being under the control of the Democrats the last uh, couple of years, right? You're supposed to believe they're more on board with this than Republicans are. They would have just shut all this down. They would have, they would have brought Exxon and said, we're putting you out of business. You're done. It's over. You can't build anything else. So this is how you know yep. that it's fake because they have the climate <laughs> goals they're supposed to be for, but they don't use their power to shut down all their supposed enemies. That are the ones polluting right. the planet. Right. In fact, if you wanted to waste your time, you could go look up all the Democrat PACs, the political action committees, and everything, and I'm sure you'd find all kinds of oil and gas money going into their pockets as well. <laughs> so that's how that's, you know it's all a lie. That's right. And so again, there's they're, they're pointing the finger again. Hey, the plans for all these uh, U.S. LNG terminals runs counter to the objectives that you stated you were going to do. Yes, they're actually saying that right in here. So basically, they're complaining. At least um, this document, like you said, sets the narrative uh, for them to later say, well, we told you so and you didn't listen. That's exactly right. And now this we're going to need not, these graphs aren't, aren't that important. I mean, uh, we're going to get to some numbers here in just a minute. And then, and then they could turn around, like you said, and, and come up with an alternative, which that you don't, uh, we got to look for, but there'll be some kind of white papers. Well, no, I mean, they are, I've seen them some out of the federal reserve and stuff on CBDC, but cause that'll be the thing. Like you said, they're going to come out with an alternative. Well, we can still save ourselves from climate change if we do this.
Right. And so this is this is an important graphic on, on this page. It's got a map of the world, and the purple dots are the existing um, liquefied natural gas terminals. Okay? Import and export. And then the yellow dots are the... Uh, no, the, the purple are export LNG facilities all over the world, and the yellow is import terminals. Okay? And the ones with the darker circle around the outer part of the circle... Uh, instead of colored yellow or purple, is the proposed. And there's a lot of yellow proposed import terminals. A lot. And we're going to, let's see, let's go to the next page and see if they got the dollar amounts on the next page on how much it's going to be. Here's oh, the right build-out, the U.S. LNG build-out undermines national interest. Um, just talking about the same thing. You know, the FERC is, is approved. FERC is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission um, under the Department of Energy. And, or Department of Interior. Um, anyways, so they, they've approved all these projects. What are you doing? Stop doing it. You you said you were gonna you were gonna go down climate change, and you're not doing it. That's all this is saying. Yeah, which is crazy. Again, it pro it proves it because if they're sitting here saying you're on board, why are you doing this? You know, right? And folks, this isn't me just making this up. I'm just I'm just summarizing the document. You can read the words right on the page. They're saying the same thing that you're not doing it you're, they're pointing the finger we told you you said you were going to do it you're not doing it we're we're telling you the un now we're telling daddy <laughs> yeah they exactly this paragraph right here basically says biden got us back into the paris agreement and then they're not abiding by the uh rules right yep uh anything else in this one here no i want to get to that um the FERC document i think that's next Okay, so are we done with here. this document? I think so. Uh, what's this here? This, this is, year, uh, the what? Worsening impacts of climate crisis is impossible to ignore. Oh, yeah, so now they're telling us that there's going to be more floods and there's going to be more hurricanes and stronger storms. Um, and there's another documentary this geologist put on, and he's got the charts and graphs from NASA and from NOAA, N-O-A-A, in I think it's right. The National Oceanic whatever uh, Association. He's got the data straight from them going back hundreds of years. Strong storms are actually trending down, not up. Forest fires are trending down, not up. Floods are trending down, not up. But if you compact it and only cut it into the last, say, 100 years, then they're trending slightly up. But if you expand it out, they're actually going down. Time for some cloud seeding and fire up those weather machines. Let's get it going. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta we gotta create some climate change. That's the funniest part with these guys too. You're called a conspiracy theorist, but yet they're on the record admitting to cloud seeding and weather manipulation. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so these are these are just export terminals. The US, Russia, Canada, Mexico are the are the four largest uh, countries by capacity. And they're also, you know, all four of those countries are all on board with the UN and climate change and all this crap. Yep. And again, again, all this stuff can be blocked. It's not like Jim is just building them saying, screw you. I don't care. I'm private industry. I mean, the United States government could come in and stop any of these things anytime they want, if they want to, with the power of the government. Oh, yeah. So it's exactly. not like Exxon's going, screw you, we're more powerful than you. We're going to build this and do this anyway. I mean, the government can come in and stop them. So 
Yep. This is why you know it's a scam. But rather than them telling you it's a scam, they have to. I think now we're seeing what's happening here. They have to set up the WWE wrestling match. Like this is Hulk Hogan is mad at Macho Man Randy Savage, and so they're yelling at each other. But as soon as they go back after the match is done, they're drinking a beer back there together. <laughs> That's all it exactly. is. It's the same with the uh, the Republican and Democrat senators. No, oh, after they get done yelling at each other on the floor, they go out and have dinner and drinks together. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so this is yeah. you've got a couple tables. This is LNG export capacity and development by region, North America. Okay, so again, these are just showing the numbers growing. Uh, yeah, import and then you got import terminals. It's mostly uh, Southeast Asia and and Europe. If you go through this table, it's going to be importing all the gas that we're going to be exporting. Right. So we're exporting a bunch of it over to these guys. Yep. All right. And that's so all. This is all have... of these graphs are saying the same thing. Okay. Now we've got this European Commission press release. It's an EU US joint statement. Um, of liquefied natural gas. Okay, so this is back in 2018. Who was in the White House? Oh, that would be, uh, it's me, Donald Trump. Unbelievable. So great. So great. So this is, a, this is an agreement between the EU and the, the United U.S. that the U.S. is going to export more liquefied natural gas and the EU is going to import more. Wow, that's crazy. But, you know, the Great Reset was started, really pushed. I mean, it was Agenda 21 was 92, but the Great Reset really came out in 2016. This is 2018. This yeah. document is 2018. Definitely. But, I mean, I, I think that the, this is really good, though, because this proves it's not like, I don't know. Are you Are you coming to the conclusion that... It's not like these guys uh, with a lot of the sustainability goals ever intended to create anything sustainable. It's about, you know, hijacking control of these resources. Uh, it's about running a hustle, making short-term gains on the hustle off the grift, but then at the same time setting up more prison planet technology around the scam and the threat and the fear Bingo. of climate change. Bingo. And if they fail with the CBDC uh, chip in your hand end goal, if they fail to reach that, then at a minimum, they've made a trillions upon trillions, maybe even quadrillions of dollars on, on the scam of taking the resources, which we're going to get into in detail. And right. Well, well, I, again, well, and while those numbers, those time, quadrillions, those, those aren't my numbers. Those are their numbers. Well, and at, while at the same time, with all of their uh, attack on fossil fuels, um, they're able to, and then, you know, their fake war, their manipulated wars like Russia and Ukraine, they're able to drive up all of these prices and make a boatload of more cash in the meantime. Right. Read that second paragraph in green on this page. Uh, the United States currently has, yeah, the United States currently has 28 billion cubic meters of li uh, liquefaction, or what is that, Liquef liquefaction? Liquefaction capacity. Oh, liquefaction capacity, and is foreseen to add a further 80 billion cubic meters by 2023 while expanding its liquefied natural gas export terminals. So 28 billion to 80 billion is essentially a triple. 
Wow. Well, really, add further 80, it's really a quadruple. Yeah. US currency. So they want to go billion. from 28 billion to 108 billion. All right. That's oh, the wow. end of that, yeah. that document. All right. And now this one is uh, European Commission, EU, US, LNG trade. Okay. So this follows in line with what we were just talking about. US liquefied natural gas has the potential to help match EU gas needs. Yep, this is from 2021, and we've got a chart here that shows the U.S. supplies uh, currently 23% of U.S. LNG liquefied natural gas exports went to the EU, and the the U.S. exports uh, to the EU are going to increase further. Um, And... That's just backing up the fact that right now in 2021, it was what, 22.2 billion something, B B something. I can't can't read it. Yeah. So Uh, our exports are increasing to Europe, mainly France, Italy, Lithuania, Malta, Netherlands, Poland, Portugal, Spain, Greece, Belgium, and Croatia. And every one of those countries is all about climate change. Yeah, they're all on board with the climate change hustle, yet we're going to be exporting all this uh, natural gas to them. Yep. That's all this document shows. <laughs> this is f- fabulous. What's this one? Uh, the U.S. is the biggest gas producer in the world, and um, we're increasing gas exports. The EU is the second biggest gas consumer after the U.S. Okay. So part of the Ukraine, which nothing, again, nothing going on in the world has a singular purpose. Part of the, the conflict in Ukraine is the U.S. muscling out Russia to supply more natural gas to Europe. Ah, that's interesting. You don't hear that on the news. No, folks. you don't. No, you don't. All right, let's see. Next one is this FERC stuff. Here's oh, okay. the money the money gra- uh, uh, document. This is the one I was sitting and I read, the, found this, and I was just like, oh my gosh. So this is from FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. And it's three pages. The first page shows the North American liquefied natural gas export terminals that are currently operating. And in the United States, when you add up all of the bil- billion cubic feet a day, Okay, it totals it totals for almost 14 billion cubic feet a day. Okay. And currently, according to the Energy Information Administration, the US produces about hundred billion cubic feet of gas. So we're exporting roughly 14%. Right? Right. All right, next page. North American liquefied natural gas export terminals approved, not yet yet built and they've got that broken out some are under construction some are not yet under construction okay when you add this up folks we're currently exporting 14 billion cubic feet this is saying that's already been approved by the regulators that dustin just said that you know if they wanted to shut it down they could but they've already proved this 30 billion cubic feet a day so we're going to go from 14 to 44 these things take about two to three years to construct. So all of them aren't under construction yet. So in the next five to seven years, 
In seven years is what year? 2030. Right. That's an important year, right? <laughs> In yes. the whole climate hustle. We're going to triple our exports of liquefied natural gas. Yes. And then is it on this? Yeah, it's this one here. Okay. And then the third page is a North American liquefied natural gas export terminals that are proposed, not yet approved. Um, so it's another 11 billion cubic feet. If these all went came to fruition, then we're adding a total of 41 billion cubic feet of exports. We're currently at 14. That would put us at, uh, what, 55 billion cubic feet. We only produce 100. We currently consume 85-ish and export 14. Well, if we consume 85 and in the next five to seven years, we're going to export an additional 30, that means our the amount that we can consume domestically is going to drop to by 30, down to 55, unless we drill a whole bunch of natural gas wells. Exactly. So now, have you seen, are we going to be, so what do you think is going to happen here? A combination of the two? We're going to be drilling combination more, of the two. but our personal prices supply go, is going to go down. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, prices are going to go up and production and drilling is going to go up. Well, drilling is going to go up, but then also if we have less supply here for us, right? So if prices currently we have triple. access to 86, if we currently have access to 86 for our own supply, and let's say yeah. it drops down to 70, then prices are going to go up because the demand is higher than the supply. Bingo. So they're going to screw you <laughs> while they make a lot more well, money and promise you climate change. Right. And again, this falls right in line, a document we haven't covered yet, but I read it in, I think it was a UN document. They want to take 30% of the agriculture, agricultural land out of commission. They want to take 30% of the fisheries out of the commission to drive prices higher. They literally say this. This is not me making it up. They literally put this in writing. Yeah, so well, you, you along the lines of all the inflation. They want inflation. Exactly. Well, you, you've seen the video, I'm pretty sure, of the guy. I can't remember if it was World Economic Forum panel where he's talking about giving people a shot, like a needle that makes them allergic to meat. So they'll just stop eating meat. You're like forcing yeah. them to stop eating meat by giving them a needle that makes them allergic to meat. And so it's the same thing here. Like, okay, um, and let me just tie this in, folks, to the technocracy stuff and Howard Scott. If you remember what Howard Scott said was that there was a rail car, right, or a trolley, and people were standing on the outside track the platform on the trolley and the cops didn't want it to happen and the government didn't want it to happen because people could get hurt so they hung up signs and said don't stand on the track on the uh, platform didn't work the cops started to arrest people didn't work the regulators made laws against it didn't work the engineer comes in and he goes here's the new trolley it doesn't have a platform problem solved well think about how the engineer would work in this situation if you don't want people eating fish or you don't want them eating meat you get rid of the fish and you get rid of the meat. Pretty damn simple. Also, there's a there was a pilot. Well, not really a pilot. It's rolled out in Iran, I think May of this year, um, where the price of bread, like the food inflation has gone really high. So what they did is they said, okay, you can pay the high price, 
Or if you get the digital ID, we'll give you a discount. <laughs> That's great. That's what they used to do. And uh, one day I'll talk about that on the show and tie it into this. But when I was fighting against the city of New Haven, Connecticut back in 07, and they were pushing forward this illegal alien ID card, and the whole thing was tied to a banking scandal. But that's what they used to do. They would go, if you come and get the city ID, we're going to give you a free bag of popcorn. And then eventually you could use it as a <laughs> library card. And then they couldn't sell enough. So then they got local companies to do uh, oil change discounts free donuts you know they kept adding 50 60 yeah. 70 different perks for you to go get this stupid id card that did nothing other than let you into the city gym but the idea was they were working to get around the patriot act so they could open up bank accounts at a bank that the elites owned and get mm -hmm. illegals who were working for generally cash back then to bring their cash. I mean, the, the grifts are the same grifts and the same scams over and over. Like uh, we talked about with... Um with uh, Donnie Brasco, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I should have had that clip ready for today. Maybe I'll work it in when I edit this. But there's the clip of <laughs> yeah. Donnie Brasco where they're all inside uh, the clubhouse, basically, and the boss, Michael Madsen, is all pissed off, and he goes, "It's the same schemes, it's the same scams. You guys need to come up with something new." You know, and that's basically. <laughs> but why would these guys have to come up with something new, Jim? And they keep getting away with it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So this last uh, little little document here, this just shows you how long it takes to build an L uh, liquid financial gas export terminal in the U.S. It just says, you know, four to six years, five to seven years. That just goes, so it's not me making it up, folks. It's their documents. I'm not an expert in construction. You'd have to go to Bechtel because they, they build like 30% of these things. But the point of this again, being it, is it's in direct contradiction to international climate goals. <laughs> Exactly. When it's all of the partners, uh, you know, per partners in these projects that are actually building these, it is the, um, uh, you know, the, the regulators and the government, the of, uh, yeah, the governmental yep. officials that could stop it and everything that are not. Um, now, when they're using, um, let's say bank for international settlements down to blackrock larry fink you know building a portfolio of companies then forcing those companies to adopt esg policies what do you think the whole point of that stuff is is that to get those companies to force them into spending some of their earnings on continuing the marketing campaign like you said Tesla's part of the marketing, windmills are part of the marketing, solar panels are part of the marketing. That creates the illusion that we're fighting against climate change. Like if you go buy a, a Prius, you know, you're fighting climate change. You're part of the club. Yay! Is that why they're using ESGs to force these companies to have to play along with this stupid stuff? I, th I think it's two things. I think it's one, the ESG is the new... We know carbon credits is the end goal. So some kind of social credit score, carbon-related credit score is coming. And ESG is the, like the, 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 the first version of that. So I think that's part of it. Because you read, you read these presentations from like Exxon or whoever, uh, like the EOG company I just talked about earlier, where they're going to spend $5 billion next year drilling for oil and gas, right? But if you in that document, in that same 10-page PowerPoint, it's got the word sustainability like six times. 
Yeah, well, I, I was going to say, it, 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 well, and this is the funny thing, Jim. So if you're on the board of directors, it doesn't matter what company, just say like Walmart or something. And, you know, I mean, you know, big deal here. And all of a sudden you're going to be forced into ESGs and then you start looking at, you hire a guy like, let's say you. They go, hey, Jim, hire that guy as a consultant. I want to go through these documents. And you start highlighting stuff like this and handing it over to one of the guys on the board. And he goes, at the next meeting, what's this ESG crap? We're not, they're not actually even doing this, guys. Look at this. This is all fake. None of it makes sense. But they need to be bullied into submission to be part of the club. It's like people... They, you know, you and I would go in the grocery store at the height of COVID land, the high school theater production, and there's plexiglass sneeze guards and stickers on the floor, and you have to stand six feet apart. And you and I know it's not working. It does nothing. But at a certain point, we just stand on the dotted line because we need to buy our groceries and get the hell out of the store. You know, and so you play along with it. I mean, is that part of this? Because... It reminds me of like what we just experienced in the hospital. It's just high school theater. It's like fake. You're living in live action role play. There are people that know it's fake, but somehow they agree to play along with it. Like the doctors at the hospital cannot believe right. that wearing a double piece of toilet paper on their face is saving anyone's life. Yet for some reason, they're willing to do it and enforce it. Yeah. So you got to think back. This is coming from the Bank of International Settlements. And when you're reading these bank documents, like the IMF or World, World Bank or BIS documents, they're, they're talking about climate change is affecting the financial system. Climate change is affecting the banking system. Well, let's get in the real world. Okay. Outside of a tornado ripping up a Bank of America branch, <laughs> how does higher temperatures affect banking? Right. How? I, I can't think of how climate change is a major risk to a bank. But when you read their documents, they're not really talking about the actual bank. They're talking about the, the portfolio companies that the banks lent money to is the quote unquote risk. So if they collapse the banking system, the risk is not that, that temperatures one degree higher set all the branches ablaze. That's not the risk. The risk is that the oil and gas companies kept drilling for oil, and so the loans defaulted, right? right? So this ESG stuff, it's a credit score for companies to get money from the banks because the right. banks are implementing this quote-unquote climate risk into their credit model, if you will, okay, and their accounting model. So in order to get a loan, you have to have ESG or sustainability all over your PowerPoints, all over your website, all in your press releases, but you can keep doing what you're doing. Now, let me just ask you before you go, because I know you got to wrap up for today. But do you think that is because, uh, well, BIS actually believes in climate change? Or is that because once they have oh. these companies fully integrated with the sustainability and all that nonsense, then one, they're pushing the marketing scheme of climate change. And two, all those so-called private sector companies that we know since COVID land, the high school theater production are not really very private at all. They're all embedded inside the government. It's one big partnership is that they're going to start to be the ones who help introduce uh, the carbon credit CBDC system to the public. Like they're going to probably start rolling that out through Walmart and rolling that out through Target and all of these uh, grocery stores and such. 
Right. They don't want the, the politicians to roll it out. They want the companies to roll it out. Yes. And I think what they do is they utilize the companies, again, WWE wrestling, they utilize the companies to look like they're sort of battling back against an inefficient government. That's part of why I believe they allowed the lifting of the veil of all the corruption and criminality and treason and sedition the last seven years. Uh, Why that veil was intentionally lifted, uh, that's part of what I think Trump's job was to do. Because then it gets everyone to go, oh, they're so corrupt. And then when a so-called private sector guy like Elon Musk comes about and he goes, the government's inefficient, but I'm going to save you with brain chips and electric cars and android robots and all this nonsense the people go yay tony stark is coming to save us and so that is how i mean that was like dogecoin and all that that was quite obvious that was the beginning of a push to further market the idea of digital currency uh obviously uh elon musk started off uh, so did peter thiel with paypal which was sort of the beginning idea of digital transfer of money back and forth between individuals so that that's kind of how i see it is they're lining up these companies they're getting them on board any ceos any executives any board members that aren't going to cooperate they're getting over the last 10 years to now are getting pushed out you're out of there if you're not going to get on board with this because you guys are going to be the ones who actually implement this system well, it's got the social engineering aspects of it, too. If all these corporations are doing it, then most people are followers, right? They're not leaders. Most people are followers. They're going to follow the herd. If you get all these corporations doing it, they're going to guilt people into following them. 100%. I mean, there's something going on now where Disney is rolling out uh, basically virtual reality uh versions of all their rides and stuff i think some of the movies well i mean think about it if you want to market virtual reality and metaverse type technology you roll it out through one of these companies like disney and the next thing you know you've got you know 112 million children across the world that are putting on vr headsets and going inside the metaverse bam that's a huge uh group of people that you just moved into the metaverse yeah yep and that is how it's done. All is right, that the last I, document we had? That's the last one. So any final thoughts on uh, this episode here? Yeah, so just to let the people know, I mean, the first episode we proved with their own, you know, with the real science and, and their own documents that climate change is A, a hustle, and B, a green grift. It's, it's combined. And today we showed that, yeah, they're talking about climate change and they're talking about going wind and solar and EV cars, but they're not really doing it in practice. So why? And those, that's the future episodes. We're going to get into why they're polar opposites. Yes, definitely. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to that because you're going to break down BIS uh, International Monetary Fund. We're going to eventually work our way into uh, universal basic income and central natural bank asset currency. companies all of it yep yeah and show the whole entire system and this is all part of like you just uh how did you say it before you said anything that we're witnessing in the world uh does not have a singular purpose right right 
That's how you framed it. That was perfect, which is true. Like, COVID did not have a singular purpose. Uh, The climate hustle doesn't have a singular uh, purpose. All the pieces of it do not have singular purposes, and they also keep running a problem-reaction-solution loop at the same time. And every solution they come up with creates a 1,000 new problems that they get to manage and that they get to find new solutions for. And this this is just the constant social engineering on a loop moving you towards a further... Um, further into the slave system. And that's basically what's happening here. And so hopefully you'll have a good understanding of how this all works to try to figure out how to insulate yourself as best as possible. And you can make decisions on how much of this stuff you're willing to put up with. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all individuals. We're going to tackle these problems um, from different angles. Uh, but, but unless you really understand what's going on, you have no chance at, uh, fighting back against it or avoiding it. That's correct. All right, Jim, so well, we appreciate tuned, it. All right. Well, good luck yeah. um, at your business meeting. I know you, you were great and gracious to pull over there at the side of the train tracks, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, the right uh, side of the train tracks. <laughs> the right side of the train tracks. All right, Jim. Well, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, check out Jim on Twitter at Wide Awake. You can also join pain.tv slash gold and find Jim on there or DM me on there, and I'll give you a link to his information. And if you join the Hotwire at pain.tv slash gold, you can access to some of the other episodes that Jim has done with Mike Moore over at the Thomas Paine podcast. And uh, definitely check out episode 80 on uh, pain.tv slash gold because that has the same thing. It's a four-hour episode, explains the whole climate hustle. And by the time we're done with this, folks, you're going to know exactly how these matrix prison planet wardens plan to control you even further all right folks check us out the dust and gold standard on apple podcast leave us a five-star review and a comment we appreciate that very much i am dust and gold this is the dust and gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.